He was a great choir director. He was a faithful church member. But one day, he became a heretic. I took the stand. I told him he couldn't come back to the Bible Institute and teach. And uh, he subtly reminded me of the labor courts in Mexico and how that probably wouldn't go very well for a humble Mexican worker with a gringo boss. In other words, he was threatening me. Uh, I thought about leaving. Uh, I thought about, whew, you talk about being in the spotlight. I thought about many things and it seemed like I'd always think about it about 10 or 11 o'clock at night and it would be all night long. Uh, I, I sweated a lot and it wasn't even summertime. Uh, finally, the word spread in our little town of Aquismont. There's a saying in Spanish that uh, goes like that, this small town, large hell. And what it means is gossip spreads and uh, you become famous. Well, the issue was finally settled and uh, he was dismissed from the church. Uh, I gave him severance pay at the institute. And, uh, and sometimes out of the clear blue sky, he'll, he'll text me and say, how you doing, Brother Ricky? Uh, and I'll answer him back cordially. Uh, I'm no way trying to compare myself with Paul, uh, nor am I saying that I was brave. I just know two things. God had called me. I was going to stick to what he called me to do. And uh, the second thing was that uh, I wanted to be true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, what he was trying to teach to our kids at the Bible Institute and then later on uh, in town was, was definitely not biblical and much less the gospel. And finally, thankfully, uh, the, truth, the truth won there. And now, if you've not experienced something like that in ministry, just wait. Uh, it may come. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you'll stick to your guns, especially the Word of God, and you'll stray, stay true to that. But in the meantime, what Paul tells us here kind of gives us some pointers, some helps uh, to prepare us for that day. So, verse 1, uh, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Now, what's, uh, this is your time to participate. What's the old cliche when you see a therefore? What are you supposed to say? What's it there for? And so that's pointing back to chapter 3, especially, and chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, and, and 3, 17, and 18, especially verse 18. <coughs> well, let me take time to get my third cough drop out. Uh, verse 18. Uh, verse 18 says, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit and, and then he talks about this ministry that's mentioned it's a repeated word all down through chapter 3 and the idea is 
that uh, if you well one commentator said to understand second Corinthians you have to practice mirror exegesis and I, I got to think what in the world does it mean by mirror exegesis well Paul doesn't tell us exactly what his problems are he just tells us what he tells us and you have to read what he says and then imagine what they're saying against him and that's what they, this, this particular commentator calls mirror exegesis. Paul's being criticized about his ministry. Criticized about how he, they're picking him apart. I mean, if he wears a red tie, he should have worn a blue tie. If he didn't wear a tie, he should have worn it. I mean, there's all kinds of criticisms that he's suffering at the hands of not only the people in Corinth, the members of the church, but also some, some other teachers as well as perhaps some Jewish uh, influence there. So he's talking, he says, he's responding to that. And he's saying, I have this ministry, but it's by the mercy of God. By the mercy of God. Uh, the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry uh, that he was privileged to have. Uh, there's a related passage over in 1 Timothy where Paul kind of talks about this same same thing. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse uh, 12 and 13. He says, I thank him, talking about uh, Jesus who, who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received, and notice again, I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. So Paul's looking at his life and he said, listen, this, this ministry that he's called me to on that road to Damascus, uh, this salvation that he's saved me with, there's no way in the whole wide world that I deserve it. Uh, I'm here because of his mercy. And because of the ministry, that he had received and the mercy bestowed he says then at the end of verse 1 I'm not going to give up I won't lose heart now folks you don't even have to be a quote in ministry to sometimes to get down in the dumps and want to throw the towel in but when that comes remember like Paul who's called you remember where you were before he saved you and rest on that don't lose heart don't be faint uh, in your heart concerning that uh, notice his endurance is not based on himself but on his calling and how he's called Paul accepts the fact that he's not sufficient something that he says in chapter 3 verse 4 <clears throat> such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us but our sufficiency is from God um, remember remember that remember the source of our ministry you know when I was growing up I don't even think the word burnout existed talking about ministers I just never heard it. Maybe I led a sheltered well, I, I led a sheltered life. I, I'm reminded of that often. But I just didn't hear about ministers burning out, uh, which is a common theme today. 
I wonder, and I might propose to you, that they may burn out because their wick is not what Paul's wick was. They were burning on themselves, and we're all going to burn out if we depend on ourselves. But Paul said, I'll not lose heart. I, I won't be faint in what God's called me to because he's sufficient. He's sufficient. Uh, <clears throat> Verse 2 uh, and following talks about the limits of ministry. That's, that's about the source of ministry, but now we're going to look at the limits of ministry. Because our calling is from the Lord and the ministry is really His, He's called, it, called us to it, Paul says, there are just some things that I'm not going to do. Uh, the most important thing is not quote, a successful ministry, but to be true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice what he says here. But we have renounced disgraceful, <clears throat> underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He said, there are just some things I won't do. The disgraceful, underhanded ways speak to shady methods or manners. It's like under-the-table activities. Uh, cunning here is the idea of craftiness. In fact, it's the same word that's used in chapter 11, verse 3, to speak about Satan and how he deceived Eve. Now, can you imagine that as a minister practicing the same kind of things that Satan practiced? And yet, folks... There are some pulpits today and some preachers today and some churches today that do exactly that. Uh, those that are in my, well, there's only one. COVID has hit my class pretty hard. Uh, but uh, I, in, in past weeks, uh, well, I think it was last week, we had a guest speaker. He was mentioning about a church across town. And the question was, why did so many people come to your church uh, from other churches if, if the whole area, that particular area of Texas, is full of churches? And our guest speaker said, well, one reason that they've told us is that the, the largest church in the area, Baptist church, uh, that typically has 10,000, either in membership or in attendance, their common comment is, and Brad's grinning back there because he was in class, is that it was too programmed. Too programmed. The implication was everything ran smoothly. It's just like the Lord wasn't there. The Lord wasn't there. Now, folks... There ought to be some limits in our ministry. We want to reach people. We want to grow a church. But uh, let's, let's do it with the gospel. Let's do it with the gospel. Uh, <clears throat> this same word uh, of, of tampering is the idea that's mentioned in 2.17 when Paul talks about those other guys those other preachers or ministers where he talks about them peddling God's word 
uh, we should never peddle the gospel. We should never uh, be like those, you know. This reminds me of Mexico. There'll be people, used to, and especially before when we first went there, there'd be people going down the street at daybreak, and they'd make all kinds of noises, and you could tell by the noise what they were doing. If they were going to sharpen your scissors or your knives, they'd go, they'd have this whistle, and they'd go, and you knew exactly what was coming. But in Mexico City, they would always be shouting, bada, 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 and meaning cheap, 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 here, come, come, come. Uh, buy this from me. And there's always somebody peddling something. We shouldn't peddle God's word. We shouldn't peddle the gospel. Is what uh, Paul's saying. In Aki's bone, uh, one of the things that the Catholic Church used against us was our building. Our building, uh, to this day, well, originally it was a store. It's a two-story building. The top half Dr. John Ladd and his family <coughs> bought that for a home. In the bottom half, we purchased for uh, the church building. And uh, the, the famous part about the store was right in the very corner as you walked in, that's where the moonshine whiskey sat. And uh, we bought the building, and, and it came with two barrels of moonshine whiskey. They sat in the back a long time because we didn't know what to do with them. Uh, but finally, finally, but the Catholic Church would always say, how in the world can you worship God in a building that used to be a store? Well, it reminds me of, uh, well, their, their comeback was, we're on the hill, we're close to heaven. And we were down in the low spot. Those of y'all have been to Ike's Bond, we were down in the low spot, and the obvious implication was, we're close to hell, they're close to <coughs> hell. And uh, they always use that against us. But, I like what I saw on Facebook, and this, this is coming back to, to verse 2, that we don't, we have limits. We don't try to peddle what we, what we uh, say about the gospel. I like what I saw, I think it was yesterday or day four on Facebook, a church sign. It was not a particular correct church, but I liked what it said. It said, had an error, it said, worst location, best people. Now, I, I would improve on the sign a little bit. I'd say, Worst location, best message. Best matches, and hopefully the best people. Uh, so, what is verse 2 saying? The idea is let your life, or we can say, let your life be like that of Paul. An open statement, that last part. An open statement of the truth about the gospel. Don't, don't try to tamper, just preach the word, share the word. And let the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, that power, uh, do the work. Let there be no doubt in anyone's mind that you're a minister of Jesus Christ and not a minister about yourself. That you're the, the center of attraction. What is the center of ministry? Well, verses 3, 4, and 5 talk about that. It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the believers, unbelievers, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves, now the ESV says servants, but the word is slaves. So let's just 
say that. Slaves for Jesus' sake. Uh, now this may be also a response to some criticism. Uh, some people think that possibly they were discounting Paul's ministry by saying, Hey Paul, saved they're, they're perishing they're not believers now something else that this mirrors or uh, reminds us about is Paul's own salvation you remember old Paul old Saul he was dead set against what everything that smelled of Jesus he didn't like it and he carried he carted off tons of people to jail who were Christians in fact he was on his way to Damascus to do that very thing when boom the light shone from heaven and Jesus spoke to him and he was saved and called and, and so there's a lot of these same things wrapped up here in, in this particular passage uh, he is, his answer to that uh, criticism of his ministry is he says they're blinded by the God of this world they're perishing all this effort is to keep them from seeing the gospel of the glory of Christ the image of God and it's almost like he's saying they have a veil over their face they can't see it and yet I did see it I did see it I saw Jesus Christ the very image of God on that road to Damascus he lifts Jesus up uh, and he also paints what a true follower of Jesus is. Notice what he says there in the last part. We proclaim, uh, for we proclaim, for what we proclaim is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves where? Number two? No. Where in society is the slave's position? Bottom rung, well beneath the bottom rung. I mean, they don't even merit a rung on the ladder. They're rock bottom. And he says, for Jesus' sake, but he says, as your slaves. Now, think about this. What if you're pastor in the church and your own church members talk trash about you? Do you think you'd be willing to say, I'm your slaves? The tendency would be to kind of <clears throat> lord it over them. And yet Paul says, I'm your servants for Jesus' sake. Uh, that's, that's true humility. So that's the center of ministry. The center of ministry is not Paul. The center of ministry is Jesus Christ. A uh, long time ago, when I first was in Mexico, <coughs> John Ladd had a patient come to clinic and he expressed some interest in the gospel and at that time the clinic did not have a counselor so John said do you think he could go to Peckett Sin and talk to this guy his name is uh, I don't know Fulano de Tal you know whatever and uh, I said okay so if you've been to Ike's Bone some of y'all have you come down the road you turn right you go to Ike's Bone if you turn left you go to Peckett Sin among other places and so I went down there, found the guy's house, a little hut, went in there and sat down. And 
started talking to him. Well, he knew some things about the Bible. In fact, had a Bible. But he had been under the influence of a radio preacher from San Antonio who later on got kicked out of Mexico because all he was doing was looking for money. Uh, and so the immigration services banned his entrance to Mexico. As we were talking, I turned to the side and there was a calendar. And this is back before you had cell phones and electronic calendars and all those matter of things. So, and, but even to this day, people in Mexico love calendars. Uh, and so this guy on the radio had preached and he said, if you'll send an offering, I'll send you a prayer cloth and I'll send you this and I'll send you that. And one of the things he would send you would be a calendar. And so I looked over there and to my surprise, and I'm not tampering with my mind, but this is really what I saw. On the upper part where you have a picture, <coughs> there were two pictures on that calendar. This apostle so-and-so and a picture of Jesus Christ. One of those that you, you know, typically see in a painting or something. Uh, but guess how they were? The apostle was up here and Jesus was down here and he was turned looking up to the apostle. You talk about a blasphemous calendar. Now, I didn't tell the guy that. Uh, but that's the exact opposite of what Paul is saying here. He's saying the center of ministry is not me. It's all about him. And if, if you ever put out a calendar, flip that, you know. Have you looking up to Jesus. Verse 6, For God who said, Let's shine let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Once again, kind of carrying us back to that day when he was walking on the road bent on putting Christians in prison and that light not only shone in his eyes but in his heart. And he says, but in contrast we have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. If Paul would have had a podcast back in the New Testament, now I'm, I'm not completely out of touch. I'm not so hick that I don't know that there's a singing group called Jars of Clay. But I think Paul's podcast could have been called clay jar ministry you know that makes CJM it makes for a good emblem or something like that uh, what's he driving at well just like in creation God caused the light to shine and dispel darkness with the power of his word uh, that light of the knowledge about the glory of God manifested in the face of Jesus Christ shown not only in Paul's heart but it hopefully it's shown in our heart now some people think that there's a little bit of a, Paul did a little bit of a, I don't know if it's called a conflation, but anyway, a mixing of Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and Isaiah chapter 9. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9 and look at that. Verse 2. Usually, it's not October when we're in Isaiah 9. Usually, it's December because it talks about uh, the birth of Jesus. But in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 
says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone so possibly Paul is alluding to that or, or something like, like that and modifying it with Isaiah Genesis and Isaiah but that, that's the light that shone in Paul, on Paul, on the way to Damascus that day. Uh, that's the light that I hopefully has shone in our hearts and saved us. That light, that knowledge, is the treasure that, that Paul had and we have. Uh, just jars of clay. And just like Gideon, remember the, the first passage we read? This may be an allusion to Judges chapter 7. With a small God-selected number they went down against that large army of the Midianites. With the torches covered with clay, they broke those jars of clay and shouted, Sword of the Lord and Gideon. Who won that battle? It was God. And that's why he chose just a few so that nobody could say, Look what we did. But rather they'd say, Look what God did. That's what Paul's driving at here. In your ministry, if they can say, boy, he, he is a really good speaker, so much so that they missed the gospel, then we've missed being a minister. If they can say, look at how he, look at this or look at what he, if they don't point to Jesus and what he's done. Now, that does not mean that you can fail preaching under Dr. Holmes. We need to do the best we can with what we have and what God's given us. But we always should point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and we all should let the, the light of Jesus shine through. Now, it's easy to be a minister when things are right. It's, you know, we kind of coast. Especially after a few years, you know, you can just kind of coast in the pulpit. Shouldn't do that, but you can do it. Uh, rake up old sermons, stop studying, uh, being kind of cliche-ish, and that kind of thing. But that's not a good, good thing to do. Uh, but what happens when the road gets tough? What happens when you have turmoil in your family? What happens when you have turmoil in your church? What happens if you have turmoil in your nation? Well, Paul goes on and talks about that. He says in verse 8, we are afflicted in every way. Now, just think about that. And all of this when he mentions, and we're not going to go because we don't have that time, but everything that Paul mentions here in this two-sided uh, comparison and contrast, <clears throat> Paul's remembering something that happened to him. Notice what he says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. But why? What's the result? So that the life of Jesus may also, also be manifested in our bodies. Uh, there's, there's a lot in this entire passage. In fact, after I had given this passage to Carrie, I repented and should have shortened it. 
but uh, too late. Uh, notice what I say here. Every single mention by Paul recalls some incident in his life. It's almost like Paul is touching every scar in his body and in his mind that he's remembering, reminiscing about, but at the same time he's remembering the mighty power of God that was surpassing power. I mean, this is the guy that was left dead. This is the guy that, you, you go through the book of Acts like we did in, in BPH, and I mean, toil and trial and, and in jail and all of this opposition. And Paul's remembering all that. And he's remembering his broken clay jar-like body. But what he's saying is, I want the surpassing power of Jesus to shine through. Let me ask you, when your jar cracks, what shines? When ministry gets tough and you start to crack at the seams, what shines through? Well, what's going to shine through? What's on the inside? So be sure to have your jar full of Jesus so that when it cracks, that's what's going to shine through. A successful ministry or a proven ministry is not one without pain and turmoil. It's not a everything's great kind of thing. It's one that's marked. It's one that's branded, you might say, with the death of Jesus. Now, I know Dr. Helwig isn't here, and that's a blessing in a way because you don't have to check Greek that much, but you should. But I think, if I'm correct, and uh, I probably will be told later, I think this word for death is one of those one-time mentions and, uh, in the entire New Testament. It's not the common word uh, here. So y'all can go this afternoon talk about that when you drink coffee, if somebody will make it. Paul's suffering is because he's faithful to the message of Christ. What shows is not just Jesus' death, but notice who he says at the end, his life. Verse 10. <clears throat> so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. In our bodies. Uh, in our, our ministry. You know how you check for a, I don't know how you check up here. When somebody has a a nail in the tire. I don't know if they still do this, but they still do it in Mexico. You go by a, a flat fixing place and they'll have a big old truck tire or tractor tire cut half in two and full of water. And so they'll take that tire and you say, I, I'm, I'm losing air. And they'll take the compressor and they'll psh, and they'll put like a 60 pounds, even though you're supposed to have just 30 pounds in that tire. Then they'll take that tire and they'll hoist it up and they'll put it in that barrel of, that was barrel of, but that half of a tire full of water and they'll start rolling around. And pretty soon you'll see this bowls of water. And I'm walking, aren't I? And uh, so the guy will turn it around and you'll see that pssst. 
and he'll take out his white marker and he'll move that's where it's bad that's where your leak is what's he talking about here well when we have pressure in our ministry when our jars start to crack then hopefully hopefully when there's a lot of pressure we'll we'll show Jesus in our life so conclusion remember the source of ministry it's from the Lord and it's by mercy that's called us and because it's from him there's limits uh, there's some things we just ought not to do other people might preach that way other people might do church that way other people might even plant churches that way but because we have been called by Jesus we're not going to do it there are limits we shouldn't be peddlers of the word shouldn't be gimmick users just openly bear the truth of Jesus in life and word preach Jesus not yourself not yourself and if you talk about yourself call yourself a slave and then act like one now we like to talk about you know oh I, I, I'm a servant of God but sometimes we don't always act like servants and then finally uh, remember we're just jars of clay jars of clay the good stuff is on the inside or should be the treasure and hopefully what's on the inside is Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit his surpassing power so that when we get under a lot of pressure what comes out will be him let his light shine through us let's pray father uh, may our ministries uh, exude your presence may we we shine brightly uh, what you've done in our lives be humble servants of you may others be blessed May they hear and see Jesus in our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.